That song was by special request. Jamie was as strong with that song this morning as she was three decades ago when I heard her sing it the first time. And thank you, thank you so much, uh, Jamie. A number of folks have inquired as to about our plans going forward. I want to share with you just a bit of information uh, sprinkled with some prayer requests. In the short term, I will continue to serve on the board and the teaching staff of National Theological College and Graduate School, NTCGS. I will be teaching in Uganda uh, September 10 through uh, 22nd. I will teach this fall or winter, a date has not been set yet, at Word of Life Bible Institute in the Philippines. There are more than 800 students and 12 nationalities uh, currently represented in the student body. I hope to be involved with the Word of Life Institutes in other parts of the world in coming months and years. As you know, mentoring young men, training for ministry, and pastors in the developing world uh, is my passion. Locally, I would enjoy doing uh, pulpit supply, and I will be borrowing Matthew and the orchestra on those Sundays. (laughs) And I will work part-time. I will eventually pursue the cruise ship chaplain idea. Somebody's got to do that stuff, you know. However, given the redefinition of marriage... Uh, that is probably a very long shot, and I accept that from the Lord. Mary will retire in a year and a half. Of course, being near family is important. Autumn and family are now in the Wheeling area, and eventually what is important will become a priority. However, moving near family is not a quick decision. Although the grandgirls have found us a house across the street. (laughs) That's especially true when your son in love's career is in the coal industry. So we will see how things unfold. We are absolutely confident that as we continue to acknowledge him, that he will make our path straight. Thank you for your love, your support, your encouragement. Uh, in these months. Let's turn in the Word this morning to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. May we stand in honor of the Word and the Lord of the Word as we read this morning. Acts chapter 9, beginning verse 36. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. The woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa, And the disciples had heard that Peter was there. 
They sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. And when he had come, they brought him to the upper room. And all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which, which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows... He presented her alive, and it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. During my visit to the Middle East in spring of 2015, I was often moved by tears And I was often moved to tears even in reporting to you the love and compassion that I witnessed. As you look into the faces of these children living in refugee camps in the mountains north of Beirut, I pointed out they are not Lebanese. They are Syrian, the enemy's children, picked up five mornings a week, Bathed, clothed, fed, educated, taught about Jesus and his power to save. In 1976, 30,000 Syrians crossed the border, border, Syrian soldiers crossed the border uh, into Lebanon. This is Pastor Jihad, a graduate of NTCGS, and his wife Adele, who is Uh, currently a student. Jihad is the pastor of the church who operates the school. Listen in his own words. They killed our people. They burned our houses. They stole our harvest. They destroyed our economy. They occupied our land for more than 30 years. Our hearts were filled with hatred and animosity. Isn't that the natural reaction? I grew up in fear and anger. I used to pass the road running to my school, trying to escape the snipers. I escaped two big car explosions by a few minutes while going to my university. I escaped bombs many times. Now it's their turn to pay. Isn't that the natural reaction? We prayed for God to take our revenge, to destroy their land as they had destroyed ours, to sink their their country in blood and tears. This is what's happening now. Shouldn't we be thrilled? Isn't that the natural reaction? But something strange has happened. Where are those negative feelings that we had Our hearts are aching for their pain. Our prayers are continuous for their country. 
Our church is working day and night to help them, to heal their wounds, to wipe their tears, and to feed their children. Our love is real and genuine for them. What a paradigm shift. What an amazing grace. What a wonderful Savior and Master we have. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Father, forgive us, for we do not know what we do and what we say and what we pray many times. Our war is spiritual war, and we are in the midst of the battlefield now. The Jews waited for their Messiah to cast the Romans out of their country, but he cast demons out of their children. He cast out the real enemy. I heard a story and learned a lesson from the German people. It was during the division of their country. Some people from East Berlin brought a truck full of garbage and threw it over the the wall of of, uh, Berlin to the western side. The next day, some people from West Berlin brought a truckload of chocolates and sweets and unloaded it over the wall to the east side with a big sign that read, Everybody gives of what he has. We have the love of Christ in our hearts, and here is the outcome. We are serving 500 families now. We are visiting them one by one, trying to help with with both hands, spiritually and physically. Thank God for the generous donors and the wonderful and burdened team who are serving with love. Many of these Syrian families are coming to the church. Extremely dangerous. On a regular basis now. Many have given their lives to our Savior and Lord. Many Muslim families say we had a wrong idea about Christianity. Now is the time to reveal our true Christ. And aren't we living in a time, friends, where it is now time to reveal our real Christ? One phrase summarizes what I witnessed so powerfully. We have the love of Christ in our hearts, and here is the outcome. When Jesus used the word agape, translated love, he said when the love of Christ blazes brightly in our hearts, there are always outcomes. Not words, not platitudes, but compassion and action. He used the term in a conversation with a Jewish scholar named Nicodemus, for God so loved the world. He didn't say God has warm feelings or God has good intentions. But God so loved us that he gave his own son. James, more than any other New Testament writer, applies the teachings of Christ, especially the Sermon on the Mount, said this. This is the message. Anyone who sets himself up as religion by talking a good game is self-deceived. This kind of religion is not hot air and only hot air. Real religion, the kind that pastors muster with God the Father, is this. Reach out to the homeless and the loveless in their plight. And guard against corrupt corruption from the godless world.
The love of God is most powerfully expressed by people in the words of Pastor Jihad, who love with both hands. We have a wonderful example of that before us in Acts chapter 9, where the love of God is expressed through the hands and hearts of three individuals. It's a chapter of miracles. And each miracle is through the instrumentation of people. In the first 22 verses, there is the love of God shown to a violent blasphemer named Saul of Tarsus. One famous pastor of yesteryear said, After the resurrection of Christ, the most powerful evidence of the truth of Christianity is the life and ministry of the Apostle Paul. The love of God was shared through a man named Ananias. For him, it was a huge outcome of faith and obedience. Put yourself in his sandals for a moment. Listen to the message again. Arise and go to a street named Strait and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul. Ananias protested. Master, you can't be serious. Everybody's talking about this man and the terrible things he's doing. His reign of terror against your people in Jerusalem. How would you like to have been sent to Saul of Tarsus? Uh, the Lord had sent him on a need-to-know basis. But since he had called Jesus Lord, he went. And I love the first words out of Ananias' mouth. Brother Saul. <laughs> it was a proclamation of forgiveness. And it was also a personal invitation into the family. The family of faith and the family of Christ. Ananias is a, is a model when you have a surprise thrown at you. When God pulverizes your comfort zone. Second, in verses 32 through 34, there's the physical restoration of a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years. Peter was the instrument. Revival broke out. And so all who dwelled in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. For a very few minutes, I want to point out some truths concerning the resurrection of a woman named Dorcas or Tabitha, beginning in verse 36. Dorcas is her Greek name. Both names mean gazelle, a graceful animal of the plain. Just seven words or seven verses is all we know about her. She appears on the pages of sacred history for a brief moment and then is gone. However, God enshrined her testimony in Scripture and in church history. If we went to Jaffa this morning outside of Tel Aviv, the God would show you Dorcas's grave. For centuries, I wonder how we got away from this, May 25th was designated as a day to honor her in the church. Churches used to have uh, Dorcas societies. I happened upon a, uh, a Facebook page 
uh, called, uh, and it said, uh, Dorcas Clothing Ministry. Here's what I want to say in a very few minutes. Long before Dorcas received a miracle, she was a miracle, and there was an outcome. Note four responses to the grace of God in Dorcas's life. First of all, she challenges us to be something. The obituary is very short. Did you notice? A certain disciple, but it speaks volumes. And by the way, this is the only place in the New Testament that the feminine form, mathetes, disciple, is found. Something unusual about her. She had a personal relationship with Christ, but the term goes far beyond that. It means a learner. Her message is that trusting Christ is not the end. It's just the beginning, isn't it? Just the beginning. And it is possible to grow old in the Lord and not grow up in the Lord. It is possible to come to a point in any of our lives where we stop learning, we stop allowing ourselves to be stretched, when we refuse to have our thinking challenged, when we rely on the familiar, no new ventures, no new goals, no uncomfortable plans. I love the way Chuck Swindoll put it. I was hoping Chuck would be here today, but he was occupied. Life is not a journey to the grave with the intention of arriving safely in a, in a pretty and well-preserved body. Rather, to skid in broadside, thoroughly used up, totally worn out, shouting, loudly proclaiming, wow, what a ride. <laughs> Be something. Second, Dorcas challenges us to, to see something. There is a verb in verse 39 that is a laser beam. And all the widows stood by weeping, showing the tunics and garments. Showing is in the middle voice. Meaning what? It suggests that the widows were wearing the clothing Dorcas had made for them to the funeral. Her visitation became a kind of show and tell. Can you imagine the dynamics of that? As they are showing. Wasn't something she just did on an occasional birthday or uh, at Christmas. Made is in the imperfect tense. Meaning she was in the habit of making. No trumpets, no Facebook posts, just a lifestyle. And the verb made speaks of purpose and priority. Helen Keller said, it's great, the greatest pity is to see and not have vision. One reason I am so excited about returning to Uganda this fall to train pastors is this. Not because these kids live in poverty as Rusty expressed this morning. But it is to train pastors, many of whom do not have a Bible No formal training. You know, we may be looking at the next great Ugandan evangelist among these boys. But to train pastors 
and to train evangelists. Or there may be a Christian dad or a Christian businessman among these boys. One of the greatest frustrations Jesus faced in his ministry was that the disciples did not see what he saw. See something. Third, do something. Verse 36. She was full of good works. Do you notice that? It's the very same phrase we find in Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship. Literally, we're his poema. We are his poem of grace created in Christ Jesus unto good works. I wrote a word in the margin of my Bible beside of that phrase in verse 36. It is this, outcome, outcome. There is a, a dreaded disease called the paralysis of analysis. Are you aware of it? There are times to discuss, times to study, times to plan. In any lasting ministry, be it a church, any lasting business, you, you have to have people-oriented managers. Without managers, uh, visionaries go off the deep end. Or what they envision does not endure. There is a time to plan. There is a time to study and analyses and all of that. But isn't it possible to be like the hunter out west who happened upon a timber crew in the woods? And he said to one of the guys, he said, say, have you seen any mountain lion tracks in this area? The guy said, mountain lion tracks, listen, I can do better than that. I can lead you right to the mountain lion himself. And the guy said, well, 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 wait a minute. It's really mountain lion tracks I'm looking for. <laughs> Here's what Dorcas teaches us. There inevitably comes a time in any venture of faith, any walk of faith, when you pull the trigger. When you buy a ticket, and I don't mean a lottery ticket, when you knock on a neighbor's door, when you share Christ with a coworker, when you write a check, when you step out by faith, when you risk something, I need to write beside of this Pharaoh's nest, <laughs> right? Whoa, there comes a time to drop the hammer. Somebody says it's one thing to talk about bull, to talk of uh, bullfighting. It's another thing to get in the ring. What's, challenge, what's God challenging you? In what way is he challenging you this morning? We should all be challenged in some way. One other thing. Be something, see something, do something. Ah, leave something. Now she, led, she left uh, handmade clothing. That, that's cool. But she left much more, didn't she? An eternal legacy of the faithful stewardship of her talents and resources. What Dorcas did never made Fox News. It never made any magazine. It's a legacy of faithful stewardship of love for God and love for others. You think much about your legacy. 
If you're over 50 here, I bet you, I bet you do. Your legacy. Mary and I have been talking a lot about it in these weeks. One of my hobbies is collecting epithets. I know it's weird, but you figured out that I'm that way. Sometimes they're thought-provoking. Sometimes they're humorous. Here are a couple from the frontier. He was young and brave and fair, but the Indians raised his hair. Played five aces, now playing a harp. This is one that really caught my eye. A young man, 18 years old, named Kim. On your way to God, you left your mark. That's a heart stopper, isn't it? If you know Christ, there is etched deep into your heart a desire to make a difference and to leave something that will outlive, outlive you, a legacy of influence and impact for Jesus. Never let it be said of me, never let it be said of you, he played it safe. Faith Baptist Church played it safe. At the Lord's table, we look into the face of one who did not play it safe. Praise his name. He loved us, and there was an outcome. Paul writes, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. The Lord's table is a place of examination, of confession, of worship and renewal, and a place of surrender. Next Sunday, I'll become something I have not been in over 30 years. I'll become an associate pastor. I don't know. Do I get a new title or something? Do I get a, you know? Uh, next Lord's Day, we welcome a new f- pastor and his family. On the third week of July of 1986, A new pastor stood before the congregation of Fundamental Baptist Church for the very first time. Dry mouth, weak knees. There was a congregational song when the church family was seated. The new pastor said this. My family and I are excited that this day has finally arrived. I come to you not seeking a job, but an opportunity. The Lord Jesus said to the church at Philadelphia, I have set before you an open door. My friends, we have an open door to reach people for Christ 
and to allow God to build us through his word as individuals and as families, to glorify God to the ends of the earth, beginning right here in our Jerusalem. I can never think of an open door without thinking of Joshua's Joshua's words to the people as they stood together gazing across Jordan into the promised land. Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. I pray that the work began and continued by the godly men who have preceded me will yet flourish more and more. As I stand before you, I am keenly aware of my need of God's power, his grace and blessing, and your prayers. I will try to be the best pastor I can be. I am human and I will make mistakes. But I ask for your understanding and forgiveness when I do make blunders. In our pilgrimage together as pastor and people, I ask that we walk together as people of God, striving daily to be more like the Savior who brought us together. I pray that our ministry together will be built upon love, unity, and transparency. That's my prayer for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory. forever and ever. And everyone said together, Amen. Amen. God be with you as we go from this place, my friends. As we go into the future and as we install our new pastor next Lord's Day. Again, I want to say a special heartfelt thank you for those of you who have uh, joined the church family today uh, for this time of a worship, the time of honoring our mothers, and this time of preparing ourself, ourselves um, to go into the future. I love each of you. God bless you. You're dismissed.